rocketed as a baby from the exploding planet Krypton. Kal-El grew to manhood on Earth, whose yellow sun and lighter gravity gave him fantastic superpowers. In the city of Metropolis, he poses as TV newsman Clark Kent, but battles evil all over the Earth and beyond as Superman. Superman. This is Superman, Superman in the, the Bronze Age. Age. everyone and welcome to episode 101 of Superman in the Bronze Age. I am your mild-mannered host Charlie Niemeyer and this episode starts a new era for the show. We've got a new intro, a slightly different outro, and outside of the promos I put in this episode, mine's the only voice you'll be hearing today. Also, we're changing the format a bit. In keeping with the idea of the show running full circle, I'm going back to a weekly schedule, but only covering one issue at a time. It really won't change much on my end, but you'll get to hear me more often. I'm sorry. So first up, let's take a look at some emails. First up is an email from Michael Bradley, host of Thrilling Adventures of Superman, as well as the Superman Batman podcast. And he writes, Charlie, I wanted to offer up my congratulations on your 100th episode. Such a landmark is no small feat, especially when podcasting solo, as you have for a majority of the show's run. And you should be proud of hitting it. It was good to hear you and David together for discussion of the completely awesome Crisis on Three Earths Annual. Heck, it's good to hear all 100 episodes. I've said it before, but I'll say it again. Your show is one of my favorites each and every episode, and knowing the show is winding down made for me a bittersweet celebration. But still, congratulations on 100 episodes. Thanks for letting me be a part of those 100 episodes, both as listener and in filling the guest host chair a few times. And I look forward to the rest of the show's run. Michael Bradley. Well, thanks, Michael. Uh, Michael actually will be returning to the show before we end it, so that's exciting. But uh, yeah, make sure you check out Michael's show, Superman Batman Podcast, which you can find at greatcrypton.com. It is your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. Uh, next up, we have a comment left on the site by Mr. Russell Bragg. Russell writes, Hello, Charlie. Sniff, sniff. Goodbye, Dave. Episode 100 was outstanding, as I knew it would be. But I wanted to start this email by talking a little bit about J. David Weider. It was sad to hear that he would no longer be a part of this show. I have loved all of his segments, and I truly, truly love it when you two get together on a podcast. There's some sort of chemistry or camaraderie that makes me smile and want to listen even more intently. 
I was happy to hear that he will be a part of your final broadcast. It was your show that introduced me to him and where I found out about his other podcasts, which I also enjoy. Pat Smash and Incredible Hulk podcast is my favorite, but I have enjoyed Superman Forever Radio and the short-lived Smallville Chronicles. I love Dave's Daredevil podcast and will miss Starman Observatory. I hope you can pass along my well wishes and let him know he will be truly missed. If that even makes sense, since I can still listen to him every Sunday. Now let's talk a little bit about me and podcasting. For the past several months, I have been contemplating doing a podcast of my own. I was thinking of a Superboy, Superman when he was a boy, podcast, with Dave's permission. But now you guys have me thinking about doing a DC Comics Presents one. Also, hopefully, with Dave's permission. It would have a definite ending point, and I could reach the historic landmark of 100 episodes like you, too. I think I have my wife's blessing on it, so that is a major roadblock out of the way. And I already have the first 32 DC Comics Presents issues, so I could do that many until I find 33. I guess the truly hard part to podcasting would be the preparation, reading the comic, synopsis, etc. I may need to call upon you for pointers, but it is something I am seriously thinking about. The only thing that really disappointed me about episode 100 was that you only received four emails and two of them were from me. I guess you can't force people to write to you. DC Comics Presents Annual Number 1 has always been one of my all-time favorite comic books. I always loved when the Earth 2 and Earth 1 Supermen get together. It's too bad the Earth 1 and Earth 2 and Earth 3 Lois Lanes couldn't have gotten together. I can't really add anything to what you guys said. I definitely need to reread it again soon. I like it a lot better than the other three annuals. Annual number one may not be my favorite DC Comics Presents issue, but it is definitely in my top five. Well, I guess I better go for now. You're probably relieved that 100 is behind you, and now you can look forward to the end of Superman in the Bronze Age. Keep up the great work, and thanks for keeping me entertained no matter where I listen. Russell Bragg, Clarksburg, West Virginia. Whew. Wow. Thanks, Russell. I want just to reiterate, I want to say thanks again to Dave Weeder for being on the show. He was a he not only has been a big help to this show, but does a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, as I mentioned last time. So it's been great to have him as part of the show and the history of the show. And he will be missed, but I am glad he will be coming back for the finale. Uh, Dave is currently working on new episodes of Dave's Daredevil podcast, as well as the other stuff in the background. Superman Forever Radio is going to be continuing. Uh, it was just announced this week as I... I'm recording this, uh, but Bob Fisher will be taking over the hosting job of that with Dave's permission, and uh, will be taking not only over the hosting, but the iTunes feed and the website space, so it'll be the same show, or same title, but it's a slightly different show. I can't wait to see what Bob does with it. As for Russell, uh, if you all remember, and he says he's thinking, seriously thinking about doing it, he actually is doing it. Uh, at last episode, Russell had mentioned something about missing Dave's coverage of DC Comics Presents, and then Dave and I joked that Russell should start his own show to cover those comics. Well, he actually will be doing it. He's calling it the DC Comics Presents show, and will attempt to go through each and every comic in the series with synopsis, facts, myths, and opinions. Hopefully his opinions. No word on when the show will premiere, but make sure to keep an eye out for it. The show has a page you can like on Facebook, and he's already started a site at the thedccomicspresentshow.webs.com. Uh, and I wish you nothing but the best of luck, Russell, and, uh, and let me know. I will provide any help I can to help you get the show on the 
uh, off and running. I look very much forward to it. Uh, one last email from Robert Ward, and it has no subject. Actually, the subject is no subject, or it just has no subject. Either way. Anyway, he writes... Happy anniversary! 100 episodes strong, and what a great episode to celebrate with. Listening to episode 100, it was fantastic to hear how quickly you and Dave fall into such a great rapport with each other to create such an engaging podcast. I'm lucky enough to have recently picked up a few issues of DC Comics Presents Annuals, but not this one. So to hear about it and its effect on continuity may be eager and angry. I haven't been able to find it at the couple of shows I've been to. What a great comic to cover on the big 100. I can only hope I will be able to add it myself to my collection soon. Also, that letter from your wife. Talk about touching. While I was initially disappointed to hear that the show would be ending followed by Dave's ending his backup feature, I still find myself ever increasingly excited for you and your family and wish you nothing but the best. Keep up the great work. The home stretch is upon us. By Robert Ward. Thanks, Robert. Uh, like I said, since we're going weekly, we're actually... <laughs> Technically, it's like extending it uh, instead of the initial plan. We've almost doubled the number of episodes. Actually, we technically have doubled the number of episodes post-episode 100 that you'll be getting now. They'll just be a little shorter. But I, I do want to thank you for that. And um, if you only knew how long Dave and I had to talk before we started the show to get the rapport going. I mean, we must have had like an hour of just chit-chatting. and no, I'm just kidding. It was only 45 minutes. Anyway, uh, that's going to do it for our feedback section. Uh, next up, we're going to play a couple promos, and then we'll take a look at this week's issue. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. Gathered together from the far reaches of the internet are assembled a network of podcasts dedicated to the first and greatest superhero, Superman. The Superman Podcast Network is dedicated to covering all aspects of the Superman legend, featuring the thrilling adventures of Superman, Golden Age Superman, the Superman Fan Podcast, Superman in the Bronze Age. From Crisis to Crisis, a Superman podcast. The Schuster Herald podcast. It's Superman. The Carousel podcast. The Amateur Steel. A John Henry Allen podcast. The world's best podcast. And Radio Kale from supermanhomepage.com. Join hosts Michael Bradley, John Wilson, Billy Hogan, Charlie Niemeyer, J. David Weeder, Jeffrey Taylor, Michael Bailey, Scott Gardner, Sam Rizzo, Danny Sapp, Matthew Epps. I'm Isaac. I'm Adam. Dave Eunice and co-host Scotty V. At supermanpodcastnetwork.com Hi, this is Professor Allen. And when I'm not listening to an awesome podcast, like this one, I'm co-hosting an awesome podcast, The Book Guy Show. Every week, we cover book news, book reviews, comic books, audiobooks, audio dramas, and podcasts. Search for The Book Guys Show on iTunes or come visit us at bookguys.ca.
We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. Superman 324 had a cover date of June 1978, an on-sale date of March 6, 1978, and a cover price of just 35 cents. The title of the story is Beware the Eyes That Paralyze, written by Marty Pasco, penciled by Kurt Swan, inked by Frank Charmante, lettered by Ben Oda, colored by Jerry Serpe, and edited by Julie Schwartz. Since it's been about a month since our last cliffhanger, and because we took a timeout for 100, here's a quick recap. Dr. Albert Michaels, former head of Star Labs, is now the Atomic Skull. He has a strange brain condition that causes seizures, and these seizures are slowly killing him. Scientists from the Skull Gang had installed a radium-powered implant to help him, but instead of helping, it now causes powerful energy bursts to shoot out from his head during his seizures. Since those same scientists are now in prison thanks to Superman, Michaels has vowed to kill him rather than break them out of jail. To do this, he kidnapped the current head of, of Star Labs, Dr. Jeanette Clyburn, to lure Superman into a trap. In an effort to save Dr. Clyburn, Superman inadvertently loaded, fueled, and launched a rocket that is set to disperse green kryptonite throughout the Earth's atmosphere when it explodes, which will basically cancel out Superman's powers if it doesn't kill him. Unfortunately, Superman can't do much about it at the moment because he's been knocked unconscious by one of Skull uh, bleh, because he's been knocked unconscious by one of the Atomic Skull's brain blasts, and the villain has just brought Titano, the super ape, to kill the Man of Steel with his kryptonite vision. As we start this issue, Titano is bathing the unconscious Superman with his K-vision, while Dr. Clyburn and the Atomic Skull just pretty much stand there. Although Clyburn's got her mouth just kind of wide open like, that's a big monkey. But it turns out that Superman has regained consciousness enough to roll out of the kryptonite beams. And unlike most times when Superman needs time to recover, this time Superman is able to immediately move at super speed, breaking off a section of the lead pipe in the room, using it to hit Titano on the head to stun him, so that he can wrap the pipe around Titano's head and block the K-Vision. At this point, Michaels heads to his computer console to contact the Skull agents in the Skull Saucer, but Superman smashes it so that the signal can't be sent. Unfortunately, he isn't quick enough to stop a brain blast from Michaels, but before a second brain blast can be fired, Superman pulls his cape around, deflecting the blast back at Michaels, which not only knocks him out, but also causes Titano to become docile. Now, at this point, Superman hesitates. He needs to stop the rocket, but if he doesn't get there in time, he could either be killed by a fatal dose of kryptonite or left stranded up in the upper atmosphere without his powers. Before he gets an idea of how to handle the problem from a dis- uh, but he gets an idea of how to handle the problem from a distance. At super speed, he heads to a mine in the Ozarks to mine some galena, which is the ore from which lead is mined, which I learned by reading this comic. Then he heads back to Cape Edmonton to fashion a new lead nose cone on another rocket. Then after installing an, a, a detonator similar to the ones Michael placed, Michael's placed in his rocket, which is triggered by atmospheric pressure changes, he then tosses it hard enough so that both rockets explode at the same time, dispersing a cloud of lead shavings over the kryptonite dust and hopefully canceling out its effects. Meanwhile, back down below, Dr. Clyburn is tying up Michael's but he has already regained consciousness, and then telepathically directs Titano to remove his blindfold and then find Superman and kill him. 
Meanwhile, Superman is flying back to Cape Edmonton while reviewing Titano's origins. He was just a normal monkey, named Toto, but he was also a trained NASA test monkey. He was sent to space in an orbital satellite, where a couple of meteors, one with trace amounts of uranium and the other with trace amounts of kryptonite, collided into each other, bathing him in their combined radiations, which not only caused him to grow to, gigan to gigantic proportions, but also gave him kryptonite vision. Fortunately, Lois had befriended the monkey and was able to get him to put on a pair of lead-lined glasses so the Superman could take him to a planet of giants in the Ashtar Sun System. At this point, Superman is brought back to the present when he's hit by Titano's kryptonite beams, and affected by the kryptonite dust in the atmosphere, he's unable to get out of the beam before being hit by a punch from the super ape. Elsewhere at the WGBS building, Lana tricks Lois into heading out to Terryville for the Titano story, which is actually nowhere near Cape Edmonton, much to her chagrin. We also learn that after Clark never returned after ducking out on the newscast last issue, Lana's suspicions about Clark being Superman have been stirred. So she plans on putting the moves on Clark in the hopes that Superman will think she appreciates him for his everyday identity and allow her to snare the Man of Steel. She explains all of this to her helicopter pilot for no good reason. Back at Cape Edmonton, Superman is trying to avoid Titano's I-beams while trying to figure out why Titano is acting out of character again. After realizing that he did act normal with Michael when Michaels was unconscious, he uses his X-ray vision to spot an implant inside Titano's brain, similar to the one in Michaels' brain, which allows Michaels to control Titano seemingly telepathically through the use of radio waves. But while Superman is preoccupied, he gets hit by a punch from Titano. The giant monkey is about to move in for the kill when he spots what appears to be Lois being lowered down on a ladder from a WGBS newscopter. This does cal calm Titano down for the moment, but it's only temporary as a sudden rainstorm begins, and it's apparently a monsoon because it quickly rinses the temp temporary dye out of, our, out of this Lois's hair to reveal that it's really Lana in disguise. As Superman comes to, he hears her scream and moves in as fast as he can to catch her, apparently copying a feel in the process, judging by the art, and leaving her to stand in the rain. Superman quickly heads down to Michael's base to knock him out, requesting that Clyburn knock him out again if he comes to. Then he creates a giant puppet. Yes, a giant puppet. Of a man with a video camera to trick Titano into a giant cage. Next up, Superman takes the Supermobile, recently introduced in Action Comics 481, up to the atmosphere and uses its super breath accessory to vacuum up all of the kryptonite dust. When he's done, he will take Titano back to the giant planet, return Dr. Clyburn to Star Labs, and turn Dr. Michaels over to the authorities. But unbeknownst to Superman, a man in shadow thinks to himself that in five minutes, Superman will be affected by his sonic synapse disruptor and become his slave. And after a couple more promos, we'll be right back with our notes. Superman of the Bronze Age will be back after these messages. Why do you think superheroes are so important? People need heroes because they need somebody to inspire them, something to aim for, somebody to try to be like. One is the man of tomorrow. 
with powers and abilities far beyond those of mortal men. The other, the caped crusader, carrying out a solemn vow to spend his life warring on all criminals. For seven decades, they've been the world's finest heroes. They've teamed on radio, comics, newspapers, animation, and more. And now, they're teaming up for a podcast. To the Batmobile, let's go. Up, up, and away! Atomic batteries to turbines to speed. Superman and Batman celebrates more than 70 years of the world's finest team with randomly chosen stories featuring the Man of Steel and the Dark Knight. Superman and Batman, featuring your two favorite heroes in one podcast together. Find it today at greatcrypton.com. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. No, it's supermanhomepage.com, the number one Superman fan site in the world. Supermanhomepage.com, covering the world of Superman from the 1930s to today. News, reviews, rumors, and reports. Supermanhomepage.com, for all your Superman comics, TV shows, movies, cartoons, radio shows, and more. Everything you ever wanted to know about the man. Man of Steel and more. SupermanHomePage.com. We now return to Superman and the Bronze Age. And we're back. And I said the word hour again because I'm not used to this. Actually, I used the word we too. Um, I'm, I'm, just, I'm not used to being by myself anymore. It's kind of weird. I'm back. I guess is what I should have said. Ha <laughs> ha. Anyway, uh, for my notes, we're going to start ba- way back on page two, where Superman should probably not be able to recover from the Atomic Skull's brain blast while he's being bombarded by kryptonite radiation. Not to mention the agony he should be in, which should prevent him from being able to fake the fact that he's unconscious. Also, he recovers from the kryptonite apparently at the speed of plot because it's also been shown to take a while for him to recover enough to use his powers, even during different stories in the Silver and Bronze Ages. So, yeah. Moving up to page 6. Now, if a brain blast can knock out Superman, I would think that it would probably kill or at least severely injure the Atomic Skull, since technically, you know, he's just a human other than his brain problem. So, yeah, that should probably cause more damage. Page 11. Remember a few issues back when Lana mentioned that most of her friends were in Metropolis, but only named Clark and Lois, and then I joked that it was sad that most apparently just equals two? Well, apparently, this is probably why she most equals two, and she's probably losing one right here, as Lois will probably be really peed off once she realizes what Lana's done. Then again, this is like modern Lois dealing with Golden Age Lois, so who knows how it'll go. Well, unless you've read the next issue, because that probably gets revealed there. Uh, Page 12. Wow. Lana really shows how great of a person she is here, doesn't she? Uh, She's going to try and trick Superman into loving her by putting the moves on Clark. You know, there's a word for what she is, but... um, I I really can't say it on a family-friendly show. You, you can probably figure it out. Page 14. 
Uh, like I mentioned earlier, that rainstorm must have been pretty powerful to rinse the hair dye out of Lana's hair that quickly. It's it, it's kind of wow. Uh, page 15, Superman catches Lana in panel 1, and one hand seems to end up under her stomach, but the other hand seems to be squarely on her right boob. Which might explain why she tries to talk Superman into a date while there's a giant monkey on a rampage. This also kind of goes against her put-the-moves-on-Clark plan from just three pages earlier, but, you know, memory sucks like that. Uh, page 16, uh, uh, really? A giant puppet in a 1978 story? We're about to have a movie, and we're using giant puppets. Granted, it works, and I understand the reasoning behind it, but it's still a, a, a giant puppet. And on page 17, I wonder if our mysterious strangers is in any way related to the one-armed military man from the end of the Parasite story. I, I honestly don't know because I haven't read the next issue yet, so I don't know, but I'm, I am have an idea we're going to find out pretty soon. Possibly next time. Don't quote me, though. But overall, despite all of my nitpicking, I did really enjoy the story as a whole. Uh, these are all just things, that's, other than the puppet thing, these are all just things that stick out when you want to analyze things for a podcast. Russell, take note. The art was pretty good but not the team's best. Not sure how much of it can be blamed on Swan, because the ink work here isn't all that great. A lot of it makes the artwork look really two-dimensional, which I understand it is two-dimensional, but it's not supposed to look noticeably two-dimensional, and in a lot of places it really does here. Uh, it was great to see Titano again, though. I think this is the first comic that I've actually read Titano in. Um, I, I've seen him on the cartoons. I believe he was on the old Filmation cartoons. I've seen him in the uh, Superman the Animated Series, and I've read about the version of Titano that was used in the post-crisis, which I believe was Superman Annual number one. But um, I've ne uh, this is my first time actually reading of the pre-crisis Titano. Not bad. Um... And while I don't think I mentioned it in my synopsis, the general idea is that Michaels teleported him to Earth using his teleport machine. Not sure how it was able to take place, since it would be extremely difficult to focus it on a giant monkey on another planet in a different galaxy, but what do I know? I, I didn't even think he had access. He doesn't even have access to that machine now that I think about it. So they implied he was teleported, but they don't say how. Because the teleport machine's still at Star Labs. Huh. Interesting. Anyway, um, I figured since I'm only covering one issue at a time and I've got a little bit of time, I'm going to go ahead and look at some of the ads real quick. I'm not going to spend as much time as I used to. And mostly any, time, any focus I'm going to give is going to be to the actual comic ads. But I will mention all the others. For example, the inside front cover is a bodybuilding ad because when you're a comic book reader you also need to build your body. Uh, the next ad page is a Wonder Bread ad uh, that uh, you can also get free trading cards of close encounters of the third kind. 
there is one free card inside every specially marked loaf of Wonder Bread from March 20th through April 30th, 1978. So that's really cool. Uh, the next page has a grit ad on the top half and a Slim Jim on the bottom half, which actually is kind of cool because it's got a really cool, almost painted-looking uh, artwork of Dracula snapping into a Slim Jim. Uh, let's see. Next up, we have an ad, uh, a Hostess ad with uh, Aquaman. And I'm not going to do this because I believe I've already done it. It's Aquaman and the Imperiled Sub, in which Aquaman and Aqualad are riding their seahorses, and there's a sub. Oh, it's a miniature research sub, but they're not going to be able to outrun a tidal wave. So Aquaman calls in some dolphins to get them to the shore quickly, and they celebrate by eating some hostess pies. Because, you know, oh, I'm sorry. Hostess Twinkies, because, you know, that that's what you do. The next page is a, is, is a house ad. The top half is, 40 years ago, it all started here. And this year, history is made once again. On sale March 28th is Action Comics number 484, where Superman takes a wife. Which was actually covered by this uh, show. Uh, last year, uh, Billy Hogan came on with me to cover this story. It's... Uh, since we've already covered, I'll go ahead and, and spoil it for you. It's Earth 2. But, uh, yes, yeah, Superman and Lois get married. It's pretty cool. I suggest you check it out. The bottom half, it says, 300 issues ago, a legacy began. Today, Batman retires. A special double-length thriller on sale March 7th. Now, I should point out that the today thing is kind of a stretch because the story takes place in the future. And it's basically Bruce Wayne's last case as Batman. And there's all kinds of futuristic stuff involving space shuttles and future stuff like that. And Dick Grayson is an adult Robin, basically in the Earth 2 Robin costume, uh, without the shorts anymore. And it's red and yellow and green and stuff like that. It's actually not a bad issue. I highly recommend it if you want to check it out. Uh, the next ad is for uh, winning free bikes, burgers, and candy bars from the folks at Wow Candy, uh, makers of Sugar Baby, Sugar Daddy, and, at the time, Sugar Mama. Uh, you could have gotten burgers from Burger King, uh, bikes from Ross, or gift certificates for 25,000 Abisco candy bars. And I'm guessing the Abisco is actually not is the makers of the candies, not Wow. I don't know what the Wow thing is, but... There's a wow on the box thing. Anyway, moving along, is another house ad. Who is Hawkman, the winged hero who soars through space, his keen eyes alert, his mighty body tensed to do battle with the forces of evil? Why does Hawkman fight the menaces of the present with weapons of the past and science of the future? How does Hawkman join forces with famed star traveler Adam Strange? For the surprising answers and to these baffling questions, read the latest thrill-packed issue of... Showcase, which is actually mostly, other than the part about teaming up with Adam Strange, is actually lifted directly from an old Hawkman or a whole an old ad from the Silver Age, which actually was an introduction to Hawkman. This is just uh, the return of Showcase Comics issue 101 was a team up of Hawkman, Hawk Girl, and Adam Strange. But yeah, Showcase was coming back as uh, an early part of the DC explosion, but it won't last long, unfortunately. Uh, the next page, uh, the top half is for candy bars from Clark's, Clark Bars, as well as Clark Coconut, Clark Peanut Butter Log, Crunchy Peanut Butter, Zagnut, and Mint. Uh, and then the bottom half is some 
dice baseball game. Uh, the next page is your ad. Uh, the top half is for the Amazing World of DC Comics number seventeen, which is the special Shazam issue. Uh, Superman versus Shazam, the classic courtroom battle, not the comic. Uh, a look at Spy Smasher, Bullet Man, Ibis, and Minuteman. And interviews with E. Nelson Bridwell and Kurt Schaffenberger, who are the current creators, of, or at the time, were the current creators of the uh, Shazam comic. Uh, and I think Kurt Schaffenberger actually worked on the comic for a time when it was back at uh, Fawcett. So that was that's cool. Uh, and then you can order uh, for a dollar fifty each any issue: uh, five, six, eight, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, and seventeen. I don't know. Don't remember what happened in seven or nine, but they're not available anymore. The bottom half is to subscribe to the D DC's Direct Currents newsletter. Now you can read all about it in DC's new monthly newspaper. All the latest DC news, an advanced look at upcoming DC covers, inside information on DC movies, TV shows, books, and other special projects, a glimpse into the lives of the DC creative superstars. It's a 12-issue subscription for only $4. Plus, you get a giant 13 by 18 poster cover. And if this little artwork here is any indication, we've got uh, Sergeant Rock, Firestorm, um... Shade the Changing Man. I think that's Shade the Changing Man. Uh, Black Lightning, Flash, Huntress, Batman, Wonder Woman, and of course, Superman. It's not bad. Uh, let's see, then you get a hodgepodge ad. Actually, two pages of hodgepodge ads. Which makes me on. And then a, a third page of hodgepodge ads. Wow. Uh, then we get a... Uh, Another house ad. This one, uh, the top half is for the the battle that near yeah, the battle nearly four decades in the making. Superman versus Shazam, Shazam. an all new seventy two page tabloid thriller by Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler, and Dick Giordano, which I covered with Dave also last year. Uh, so make sure you go if you are interested. You know, go back and check that out. But the, uh, and it was recently reprinted in a regular size trade, but. It, this was the big tabloid size back in the 70s. And then also on sale, the first Welcome Back Cutter tabloid edition, which contains four outrageous stories and a special behind-the-scenes look at the TV show. Be because nothing says DC Comics like Welcome Back Cutter. Yeah. Uh, let's see. And then... Uh, there's a the inside back cover. Or no, there's another ad page for more bodybuilding. There's inside back covers a hodgepodge ad, and the back page is something about the Super Siren by Empire, which I think I've made fun of before. It's basically a big loud bike horn, so some kid doesn't get run over on his bike. But what I really want to check on is the Daily Planet page. Instead of going to Mike's Amazing World of DC Comics and talking about some of the other books that came out this month, I figured I'd just go through the stuff on here, because, you know, it's pretty interesting and lets you know more than I could probably tell you in books that I've never read. Uh, like I mentioned before, there was the ad about Hawkman and Showcase, and this says that he's back. Hawkman, the fabled one... Yeah, the fabled Wing Wonder swoops into his own three-issue showcase run this month. Joining the Skyborn Soldier are his wife Hawkgirl and space adventurer Adam Strange. Together, the three heroes set out to avert a terrible war in space that threatens to destroy the universe, although they type the story. But someone has sabotaged the hero's space cruiser. 
locking them in hyperdrive. If they can't solve the mystery in space, little pun, they'll plunge through the limbo of hyperspace forever. This star-spanning superhero saga also involves some of the most fantastic foes Hawkman and Adam Strange have faced in their careers. The Shadow Thief, the Manhawks, Hyanthus, and the ever-menacing Kenjar Ro. Jack C. Harris scripts, Al Milgram pencils, Murphy Anderson inks, Larry Hama edits, and Joe Kubert turns in the cover for Showcase 101 on sale the week of March 13th. It's a blockbusting epic no DC fan would dare miss. And actually, it's not a bad-looking cover. The look of Adam Strange on that cover, I get the idea of uh, where Andy Kubert got some of his inspiration for his artwork because it looks almost like Andy drew his face there. Uh, over in The Return of the New Gods, there's a final showdown with Darkseid. The source has been destroyed, and now, with their mother boxes useless, the New Gods, Orion, Jezebel, Forager, and Metron, must face the fury of Darkseid on their own. It's the beginning of the third War of the Gods in Return of the New Gods number 18, scripted by Jerry Conway, penciled by Don Newton, and inked by Dan Adkins. I can't think anything of, with, of that creative team that sounds bad. Don't miss the first round of one of the most important battles the New Gods have ever fought when Return of the New Gods goes on sale the week of March 13th. Also on sale on March 13th, according to Direct Currents, Aquaman 62, a showdown between Aquaman and Mera, and the walls came tumbling down in this Paul Kupperberg, Don Newton, Bob McCloud tale. Also, that sounds like it's made of wind. Batman Family number 18. It's into Gotham sewers for Batman during the monstrosity chase by Danny O'Neill, Mike Golden, and Dick Giordano. Then Robin, Robin? Then Robin discovers the fine art of murder, and Batgirl fights off an assault on the Pentagon in a pair of stories by Bob Rosakis and Juan Ortiz. Plus, The Huntress has A Choice of Destinies by Paul Levitz, Joe Staten, and Bob Layton. And it's time for Man Bat No More by Rosakis, Danny Bulandi, and Romeo Tangal. Claw number 11, our barbarian hero battles to the death with Oculus in Epilogue by David McLeany, Keith, Gr Keith Giffen, and John Salardo. G.I. Combat 208, a trio of haunted tank battles... Ah, a trio of Haunted Tank Battle Tales by Robert Kaniger and Sam Glansman. Sink That Tank, Battle by the Book, and Everyone's a Loser. Plus the Barbarian Bob and Bob. Plus the Barbarian Bomb and the Seven Layer Booby Trap, a pair of OSS Tales by Evan Douglas and E.R. Cruz. Ace Minus One by Douglas and Jerry Grandanetti. And Star Bright Star Fight by Jan Laurie and Maurice Whitman. And House of Secrets number 152, Sister Witch, is by Jack C. Harris and Jesse Jodlman. And Monkey See, Monkey Do is by Jack Olek and Ruben Yandok. And also on sale right now is Batman 300, Firestorm number 3, The Flash 262, Commandy 57, Secrets of the Haunted House number 12, Shade number 7, Superman 324, which we're looking at, and Weird War Tales number 64. And then we have some cool Ask the Answer Man trivia. And that's it. And that's going to do it for this episode. I want to thank you all for listening. And hopefully you'll come back next week when Superman becomes the super sellout of Metropolis. I'll see you then. Thank you for listening to Superman in the Bronze Age, hosted by Charlie Niemeyer. Show notes can be found at www.supermaninthebronzeage.com, as well as links to the RSS and iTunes feeds and more. 
Also, we have a Facebook fan page where you'll get a little notice whenever a new episode is posted. Feel free to like us there. Want to comment on the episode you just heard? Email the show at superbronze1970 at gmail.com. Superman in the Bronze Age is a proud member of both the Superman Podcast Network at www.supermanpodcastnetwork.com and the Comics Podcast Network at www.comicspodcasts.com. Make sure to check out both sites for more great podcasts. Superman was created by Jerry Siegel and Joe Schuster and is copyright DC Comics. Thank you again for listening, and God bless. Listen to our show on Stitcher Smart Radio. Stitcher allows you to listen to your favorite shows directly from your iPhone, Android phone, Blackberry, or Palm phones. On demand and on the go. Don't have Stitcher? Download it for free today at Stitcher.com or in the app stores. Stitcher Smart Radio, the smarter way to listen to radio.